I'm taking over this podcast. These two worthless losers passing themselves off as podcast hosts. Hilarious! They've got the personality of a lava between them. Going forward, I'll be keeping it real, giving you the straight facts, death, destruction, and all forecast. Hey there, Queenies. I'm back in the saddle, and my voice has fully recovered. <laughs> Welcome to Seaside Pod Review. Were you alive in 1975? If so, you must have been a slug in diapers. Well, Sir Brian May was alive and kicking in 1975, and he's got a tale to tell. Look how far we've come, baby. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. So, Kev. How's it going? It's Randy here. Yeah, I can see you. Yeah, well, I know, and we're fucking here doing a fucking podcast, so just lay, you know, simmer down on the fucking sass is what I'm trying to say. Three fucks in the first 15 seconds. This has got to be a new record. I know, yeah. So, fucking fuck fuck. You can't say fuck. School, you fucking fat ass. Kyle! Why the fuck not? Eric! Dude, you just said fuck again! Stanley! Fuck! Kenny! What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, fuck, it, fuck, fuck, fuck. But anyhow, apparently, last week, I sounded like, uh, was it Sauron? Is that how you say that? Sauron, yeah. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> the, so, and, the eye. <laughs> and so I'm not sure if anybody knows this or not, but I never listened to this podcast <laughs> or any podcasts. Uh, but I did, I did <laughs> go back and listen. Uh, and it's got to be a Zoom thing. I mean, it's because be, yeah. I mean, because I had a great internet connection where I was. Uh, I was using a, a, a Zoom handy recorder as my interface. So at first, I thought maybe it was a sample rate problem, but ah. uh, but after after looking at the, and the rest of the episode sounded fine. So anyhow, I guess there is always a possibility that we will be taken over by a deep voiced demon and this podcast might end. This could be the last podcast is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, what I'll do so, next time is I'll pay more attention. Cause like I said, I was talking to you about it. I ended up editing that really late. I got, I just, I was busy and I ended up like, I think it, I ended up finishing it, finishing editing that at like fucking two o'clock in the morning or something stupid. Mm. Um, so I was just, I couldn't, I was too tired and I, and I kind of noticed, but I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe Randy was just fucking sitting too near the mic or being silly or something. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm just kind of put it out. And it's only when people started saying, I was like, I don't know. Cause you again, cause that was the other thing. Cause you were really quite sniffly. I had to edit out quite a lot of sniffs and snorts. And I thought, well, maybe you just kind of got a bit fluey as the night went on. I don't remember, but yeah. Rest assured though, yeah. people, Randy's now ensconced in his professional studio with a beautiful, um, sure SM7B. And he's going to sound just just magnificent and cardinal-esque for the rest of the episode. Well, isn't that really the hope? Isn't that really the hope that we can make my, my golden larynx? Your golden larynx. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a wrestler. Hey, well, I, wonder, uh, uh, I wonder what the golden uh, larynx, what his, what his entrance music would be. <laughs> How was your week, though, Mr. Brown, since we last talked? Yeah, it was all right. It was, it was good. Um, not, I mean, just... Same old, same old, Randy. You know me. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is away for the weekend, so I was kind of home alone and just hanging out. And I've been kind of because I don't watch. I mean, I've told you a lot this a lot, but I don't watch really that much TV. You know, I watch mm-hmm. the British panel shows, but I don't because I'm podcasting and busy podcasting and busy doing other bits and pieces that I want to do. 
Um, so I don't watch a lot of TV, but I've, I've gone back and I've started re-watching Star Trek Voyager, which, oh. in my opinion, is the finest of the Star Trek. Well, at least the first four before they took a big break and then came back to the new ones. The new ones are pretty good. I think Picard's pretty good, but Voyager, just top to bottom, is it's got plot, plot, you've got character development, you've got story arcs, you've got a continuous theme in it. You know, I just think it's a, a wonderful piece of television. So I've been very much enjoying that. How about you? How was your week? You've been away again. It was good. Well, I guess I was in Edmonton when we did that. And then as soon as I got home from Edmonton, I immediately left again the next day for Yorkton, Saskatchewan, mm. which uh, if anybody's interested, it is exactly the type of booming metropolis you could imagine. <laughs> and uh, we did some more dirt track racing there, which is just as exciting as you think it is. <laughs> and it's also quite noisy. And uh, yeah, I had to I had to deal with, with some excellent local sound folks who didn't understand some very basic audio principles oh, but dear. but you prevailed occasion and and we and we delivered two days of at least uh, i think it was around six hours of racing oh my god per day in the can for all of the racing viewers and i was just kind of wondering what the you know, the ecological footprint was of that weekend but and i'll just say that it's, that is this it was high yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's totally pointless. But I mean, so is most of most, you know, leisure activities. I mean, Jesus, look at sports, look at yeah. golf, the resources, yeah. the, the resource in water and all kinds of things that golf uses, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Randy. I mean, you could foley all that. Actually. Why do you need to do sound for that? You can foley in. <laughs> bang, crash, crash. Just fucking put that in later. Put it in post. Don't need to be there. Well, well, because Kev, I'll tell you, see, you're missing out a fundamental thing. I got to be there because there's announcers and someone's got to fucking oh, yeah. shit up and deal with that stuff. And you wouldn't really have much of a show if it was just <laughs> so, 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 okay. So, just in case you don't know, the track is three eighths of a mile, uh, whatever that is in kilometers. We are kilometers here in Canada, but these guys are Probably talking about half miles. It's about half ish, something around there. And so, all they do is go in a circle. <laughs> they don't, they don't go the other direction. They don't go. So they just go in that circle for like just ad nauseum. And I, you know, so I'm not sure where I was going with this, but. Uh, well, I'm not sure where they're going with this either. I mean, it seems like no, a pretty pointless well, endeavor to me. <laughs> yeah. They don't know where they're going clearly because they just keep going in a circle. Well, it's the th same thing with the Indy 500, right? I think that race lasts about two hours and it's literally a two hour left-hand turn. I, what are you yeah. watching? What are you watching here? I don't get it at all. It blows my mind. Well, these cars go so fast that uh, they're on three wheels for a big chunk of it. So it's like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe let's make this exciting and just get rid of that one wheel that's up in the air some of the time. <laughs> or I was suggesting to the fellas, why not make the center full of water and crocodiles? Like, let's get let's look up the stakes a little. You know what I mean? So if you fall off the track, you know, first of all, your car's fucked. Yeah. You know, and then you got to battle crocodiles. Hey, then I'm, with, you would draw, I'm with you on this. Then you'd have an audience. <laughs> now that's a sport. <laughs> now, now that's a sport. <laughs> or just as we're in Canada, just allow checking. I mean, you know, just <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. that's, that's demolition derby, isn't it? That is, yes. Which now, hey, no, I don't like motorsports, Randy, but demolition derby is extraordinary fun. Went to go watch. Demolition derby still sells out anytime they do it, pretty much anywhere, because yeah, it's fun watching people smash their Ford '89 Ford Topaz. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably enough jibber-jabber, Randy. Um, we should probably get to our Twitter feed. I'm going to have a look at what the uh, the old poll did now. 
I know that you don't remember, so I'm not going to ask you how you voted last week. Um, you thought that this poll would come back 80-20 in favour of Great King Rat. Mm. I said 92 to 8. What was the poll result on Twitter, Randy? The uh, Twitter results are, wow, uh, Champion at 95.2% and Biting the Dust at 4.8. So uh, it looks like, looks like, Kev, you got this one this week, eh? Yeah, and, and I mean, a landslide, I, I, like I said, as I kind of expected. I didn't want to go as high as 95 because I thought, you know, last week, I can't remember, the week before, sorry, which, I can't remember which song it was we did now, but I, I was convinced that that one would come back overwhelmingly positive too, and it didn't. Um, yeah. Sheer heart attack, yeah. I thought That's that right. would be a, an absolute slam dunk. So I dialed it back a little bit. I actually thought this would be up around here. Um, Facebook was even more emphatic. It was 24 to zero. No one downvoted <laughs> it on Facebook. So, you know, <laughs> I think this is maybe a couple of Twitter trolls, but I think, yeah, I mean, all true Queen fans, no one's downvoting this fucking song, man. <laughs> well, it is a killer. All right, yeah, so our first comment here, uh, Kev, is from Doug Seabus, at Doug Seabus. Uh, and he said, when the wheel eventually spins to Seven Seas of Rye, I suggest talking about both versions of it in one pod. Even better, if you've already talked about the Queen 2 version, then when the Yawner debut album comes up, chat instead about bro stuff like Seven Peeves of Guys, which <laughs> which I like. I like what you've done there, Doug. And, and you know what? Kev, I think we should do that. Yeah, so that was the idea anyway, Randy, because I mean, my, I think I talked to you about it. I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod to, so the people know though, with the instrumentals, you know, like Procession, um, God Save the Queen, that's going to be tacked onto whatever song is before or after it. So in the case of Procession, we'll do that when we spin Father to Son, we'll do, we'll talk about Procession as well at the same episode. When we do Seven Seas of Rye, the, the, um, the full version of Queen 2, then we'll, we'll do the instrumental version as well. That's not to say that we can't do a bonus Seven Peeves of Guys episode. <laughs> Let's get started right now. Maybe we'll do one a week for seven weeks. Give me a peeve, Randy. What, what really grinds your gears? Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Um, Fascists. Fucking hell, you're going in heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be noted today, uh, and I'm not sure... How many Americans listen to this? But uh, former President Donald Trump indicted for his role in the January sixth. It's crazy, nutty stuff. I, you know, I'd like to say that I, I'm some p political expert, but it seems pretty massive to me. I mean, just the fact that he's been indicted on so many charges over the last yeah. twelve months is, you know, yeah. but it's a witch hunt. Remember, it's a witch hunt. You know. Yes, that's right. Anyway, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, Ian Winnick says, this episode sent me right back to the first Queen album. Not one I reach for all that often, and it reminded me how many great songs are on there. Great King Rat is early Queen in a nutshell. Heavy, catchy, and endearingly bonkers. A champion. Yeah, and again, first album, right? We talked about on, on the on the show. is The first album, when you're coming out with shit like this, is like, wow. Yeah. Okay, these guys have got something. Super cool, hey? Uh, Rob Hatton says, I fucking love this track. It's always been a top-tier Queen favorite track for me. It's sonically dripping in filth, including the <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> and Brian's guitar work is just nasty in the best possible sense of the word. This is top 10 stuff, eternal champion. Bill, big words, eternal. But uh, but I mean, I guess, you know, hey. 
I think um, if, if me and you form um, a sludge metal band, as we've been threatening to do for many years, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. we should call it Dripping in Filth. I think that's a, that's the band name right there. Yes. If not that, then that'll at least be the, the lead-off single. The lead single. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'll do vocals. <laughs> yeah, you're hired. <laughs> Lisa Malloy says, Roger quoted that when Freddie was trying to ingratiate himself into Smile, his voice sometimes had a bleating quality like a sheep. In a few places in this song, to me, it is a tiny bit bleaty, but I love it, and it's a Stone Cold champion. Now, I did sort of ask which parts, and she kind of said that, and I went back, and I, I don't know if I hear it. So I'm wondering if that's just one of those, you know, when someone says something, and it puts that imprint on your brain, and you, you sort mm-hmm. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. someone says to you, oh, yeah, th- this beer is very, it's very hoppy, and you, oh, you can taste that, that stone fruit flavor. And your brain goes, oh, yeah, 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 I can definitely taste stone fruit. You wouldn't have fucking tasted stone fruit if someone hadn't said that word. think right. maybe this could be one of those things. Huh? Maybe. Uh, Leighton Brown, an utter humdinger and a complete doozy of a tune. I really like RMT's out of character flat, dry drum sound on this, and he still manages to make them sound huge. Uh, it also inspired me to play with two cowbells on my kit back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> very, very sweet. And then, of course, he's got the uh, the eternal gif of uh, Christopher Walken saying, I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell, which is that, honestly is that, your, is that your Christopher Walken there? Is that your Christopher Walken no, impression? No, well, no, it was just me. That was just me talking like it's not my normal voice. I was not trying to do Christopher Walken, <laughs> but uh, but I, I just got to say, I just got to add this real quick. I do love cowbell. I, who doesn't like cowbell? Like Man. maybe cows don't, but the rest of us are all pretty happy with it. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. When it's when it's applied liberally in a song, sounds great. Like "Don't Fear the Reaper." Up, up until that sketch came out, you heard the cowbell, you noticed the cowbell, you love the cowbell. As soon as that sketch yeah. comes out, the cowbell is almost the only fucking thing you hear in that song. Yeah, now, right? yeah, yeah. It's kind of ruined a really, like, really uh, good song. I particularly like the the cowbells in the in the Latin style music where they don't use the big chunky beefy ones. They use the okay. metal and stuff. They use the higher ones. You know, are I they tuned, it, Randy? Are they tuned? Like, they, do all they, have actually have pitch? they all have different pitches, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. obviously, I mean, the, the two cowbells are different pitches on uh, Great King Rat, but I didn't know if they were actually tuned to specific keys. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I don't know that they're tuned to specific okay. keys, but there are different sizes, hence different pitches. So, uh, But right. I'm sure they, I'm sure someone has thought about the, the pitch of them somewhere along the line, just not me. Give me an E-flat cowbell and a D-flat harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> PJ uh, at New Mercury says, I haven't had the chance to listen yet with small ears nearby. Not mine. I'm like Prince Charles stunt double, with, but with normal fingers. Um, anyway, it's as much a champion as the eponymous rat's mum was promiscuous. <laughs> and, you know, I, I do like too that PJ's, you know, as I do almost all the time now, has forgotten that Prince Charles is now King Charles. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else, too? Why are his fingers so fucking large? That dude is retaining some fucking water. Or is he retaining tea? We don't really know. But he's retaining well, he, something. Well, he's, he's, I mean, David Icke's right. He's, he's, he's retaining green blood because he's a fucking lizard. <laughs> uh, which actually, I just uh, I just tonight posted uh, my song called uh, Kick the Lizards Off the Disc. <laughs> it's just, Silly boy. <laughs> which is quite fitting now, isn't it? Rob Marr, uh, champion, the double punch of Great King Rat and My Fairy King is the highlight of Queen One for me. The production isn't the best, but the songs are strong to compensate. 
queen exploding out of the gates. And yeah, isn't that true? Hey, exploding out of the gates. And I, again, we didn't we didn't get into it that much. Maybe we will on when we do My Fairy King or a couple of the tracks off Queen One, where the production does get criticized. And again, we they were they were recording off hours, so they're just getting done as quickly as they can. I still think it's got a charm to it because it it has, it is a bit rough around the edges. But then you know, plenty of rock and blues albums through right. the years have been. Rushed out the Beatles and the Stones. They didn't don't sound fucking perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and often it's some of those imperfections that make it so endearing, right? Yeah. Um, Nikki, midwife Nikki says, Great King Rat, great song that. Well, she's a poet and nice. she didn't know it. Nice. I see what you did there. Uh, Blagpie says, Great King episode again. Absolute <laughs> classic song with the early I must smash as many syllables as possible into a line thing by Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Crying shame, Queen's debut emerged with a splutter. They were a fully formed superior rock act, and it shows. And yeah, man. You, you know, I, I guess in a I guess in a way, because this is so much after the fact, you forget, or I didn't, you know. You didn't. It didn't take into consideration that this is their debut album. So yeah, it's pretty fucking, pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's adventurous and eclectic, and sounds it sounds cool, you know. And that's that thing too, though, because I mean, you know, they were really polished live act by then. They were really fucking good. This is the first album, but the the label doesn't really know how it's going to land, how much they should sink into promoting this new band who they know nothing about. So debut yep. albums quite rarely get a really, really big push unless the label have some kind of inside track on they know that it's going to land, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh Jenkins commenting on uh, your voice, Randy, said, did Mr. Randy's batteries run out towards the end of the party? Sounded like my old Walkman when the batteries were on the way out. You're showing your edge there, Hugh. There's no such thing as Walkmans anymore. Even even iPods are gone now, dude. Um, <laughs> and Stephen Ursel says, I love this song. The natural musicality of the whole band really shines. Full, impassioned commitment to a whimsical story. Top queen, champion. Totally agree. Very nicely and succinctly put that, Stephen. Nice. Paul Bradbury. This is Queen showing us what they're about. I love the galloping snare drum rhythm so much I used it on a song a friend wrote for his GCSE music coursework back in 1998. No one else knew 16-year-old Paul was emulating Raj, but I loved it. And he's got a great gif of, <laughs> of Raj pulling the sunglasses <laughs> off. And it just gets actually, funnier and funnier the more times it, he does it. Well, you know what? It, it really is, actually. <laughs> Fucking nut bar. It's great. Um, Paul, if a recording of that song exists anywhere, you know, please do post it, because I'm sure we'd all love to hear it. You, not so much, I'm sure, but we would love to hear that. It'd be great. Uh, Michael Keeley says, I like that Randy turns into the mouth of Sauron after the replay for the rest of the cast. Um, and Jim C. Curtis Sparkles. No, he's invoking some some Latin here. Some pigeon Latin. He says, Rodenticus rocking us. A galloping fuck horse of a song. This song gave birth to the wizardry and drama of Ronnie James Dio. He was surely listening in. Everyone got an instrument? Okay. You good to go, Fred? Okay, then. Play everything you were able to until we run out of tape. Go! <laughs> uh, that's great yeah it's got that's what because that's the, it's the kitchen sink we were talking about right so yeah just throw everything you've got at it let's just do everything all the ideas let's put them all in fuck it no editing <laughs> exactly uh Dieter at my chameleon day says definitely a champion what's not to like about these youngsters giving 1000 percent on their debut album like so many early songs this one has at least 10 parts and not one of them superfluous yeah and then we've got another one commenting on your voice, Randy Ben Howland. Is it just me or does Randy sound like he's doing his podcast from witness protection? <laughs> uh, hey, who knows? Uh, if you were in witness protection, we wouldn't be able to say, would we? 
No, that's right. We wouldn't. And my name would not really be. Well, let's just leave that alone. Uh, Alex Small says, humdinger of a champion, like seven seas of rye. Everything in the queen sink is right here. Corker and then some. Uh, Alice's dad says, is it over the top? Definitely. Is it 100% queen? Absolutely. This will always be a champion for me as it is one of my favorite tracks on the album in spite of the production shortcomings. So, yeah, I mean, lots of comments on that. I mean, and I've sort of said what I think about that. But Paul Wobbleoff says, this is early queen and the building blocks of the experimental sounds and pushing things musically to the extreme, uh, which the band would go on to do time and again, an early champion. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is a demonstration of what they're to be. I'm sure they don't even know it, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatnot, we can really see it, right? Absolutely. Uh, Darren Hellerloss is champion. Great example of Heavy Queen. The guitar solo is one of Brian's best. Yeah, we talked about that solo, man. It, well, I mean, which one, though, too? Because there's at least three. Just sounds fantastic. Uh, Prime Jive Funster, that's uh, Aaron P. Uh, 1978 says, champion, just like Babe Ruth, Kev calls a shot, and it's a home run. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> sweet, man. Uh, early queen firing on all cylinders. The real hero to me on this one is Brian. He didn't use a wah on many songs, but he certainly used it to perfection on this one. So yeah, two things. So yes, yes to the wah. I love it. So cool. Uh, and yes to you calling the shots. What? Yeah, one out of one hundred and eighteen. Yeah. If, if you if that had been a lottery ticket, you might have uh, you might have went home with uh, a couple of bucks. What did I win? The respect of one person on Twitter. You know what? Them, them's the breaks, right? Yeah, well, you didn't have his respect before, so. <laughs> That's true enough. <laughs> You're coming out ahead. But I did post the, I mean, I'm curious. I'm sure you would know. Do you know what movie this is from, Randy? The I'm the Great Bambino gift that I posted? Do you know what that is? No, no, I don't. You know the no. Sandlot. Surely you've seen the Sandlot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's from the Sandlot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I just can't, I can't remember everything. Yet. I'm the Great Bambino! What? On a great bambino! What? On the great bambino! Oh. Who's that? The greatest sports movie of all time, and I will die on that hill. Really? I think so. Hmm. Uh Tom Boge Boge Boge. I'm gonna go Boge. Although there's no accent on the E, so maybe Boge. Tom says, uh, think of what Freddie brought to the table for Queen. Great King Rat, My Fairy King, Liar, Jesus, and the start of Seven Seas of Rye. I imagine Freddie saying, look here, darlings, I have a few ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you think about that too. Like, you know, when he comes in and he's got this voice, Brian and Roger's eyes must have lit up and thought, oh, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. And then when he comes in with some of the first songs he's written, they must have thought, well, fuck, jackpot. This is great. No doubt, hey? Because now we don't have to rely on Roger's lyrics. We've got someone who can actually write words. This is good. <laughs> uh, Leslie says, more cowbell. I actually spun the album last week as it's 50 years since first released. And I still love it as much as I did when I was first discovering seventies album queen in the early nineties. Well, yeah, it looks like maybe Leslie's uh, younger than us, but she's got great taste in music. There's only three days difference between me and the debut queen album, <laughs> which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, you're just really old. Well, there's that. <laughs> we all know that. Uh, Dominic Pierce says, absolutely love this. It's a great song and a great album. Queen threw everything they had into this track and produced a masterpiece. I've never voted champion quicker than for this one. Um, and Brian Crozier says, Queen becoming Queen before our very ears. Lovely. Uh, Steve at Queen Rock says, Great King Rat is absolutely brilliant. Even though Roger's kit sounds muted, he still manages to get a big sound when it counts. 
Uh, but I prefer the live at Rainbow version, where he plays the hell out of his kit, and the reverb sounds magnificent. Uh, champion, either way. I don't really, I, I, I don't really mind Roger's uh, drum kit sound. I, I do realize that it's not quite to the epic standards that were to follow later years, but I, I think it sounds, I think it sounds pretty great. And, and I think as we noted, I, unless I'm recalling wrongly, uh, I did mention the uh, sweet beefy toms that Raj has been so uh, well known for. Okay, well, just a few comments here on uh, on Facebook, Randy. Uh, Michael J. Smith, I think he's usually our first commenter on Facebook too. I'm going to have to double check, but I'm pretty sure I, I, that was the first name I read out last week. Um, absolute champion. This is everything that sets Queen apart from other bands. Harmonies, the Red Special, Roger's drumming, Deaky bass, and of course, Freddie's vocals and songwriting. Band in great form. Nice. Uh, Lisa Hoover says, the 21st of May is an official holiday in my household to celebrate the birth <laughs> and death of Great King Rat. <laughs> Although syphilis is certainly not invited, champion for sure. So I don't know, Laura, that's uh, that's brilliant. Um, Nick Crofts, 100% champion this one, always loved it. Hearing the pod today made me re-listen to the track a couple of times over and gained even more appreciation for it. All this album was recorded on downtime through the night and must have been hard for them with lack of consistency, re-recording schedules, etc. Much underrated Queen 1. It's a great first album for a band under the circumstances of the time. Most of Queen 1, amazing live too. And I was looking through, because, you know, I mean, Great King Rat, was played in 71 so it was you know obviously an early song 71 72 lots in 73 a ton in 74 a few times in 75 but then they brought it back in 84 you know and i think i can't remember if that was if they did it as part of a medley or if they actually played the whole thing i'd have to go back and look through but man can you imagine going to see him in 84 you know on the, on the back of you know you know under pressure and you've got another one bites the dust and those that, and, and i think radio gaga you'd have by then you know so you got these big sort of anthemic radio tracks and then they break, they, they break this one out it's yeah like yeah go fuck yourselves we're still queen yeah yeah well the yeah the the early adopters would have gone nuts i'm sure yeah uh james lawrence says definitely a champion for me uh, i like the song was a reference to their manager at trident although i might be wrong Live version on Rainbow gig is also brilliant. Yeah, we've already had mentioned that. So uh, and he goes on to say, as you mentioned, Genesis, were you aware that they asked Roger to join them to play drums in 1970 or 71? Uh, he declined and Phil Collins joined them instead. That would have been a, a proper alternative timeline moment. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, well, what would, uh, you know, th there's got to be a film in that. There's got to be a movie there. What happens if that would have intersected? And Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upset some people here. Right no, 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 hang on, no. Okay. No, just don't do it. Just don't upset people, kid. <laughs> I'm going to do it. No, I, I just don't how come you just think, can't go easy on people? I don't think that Roger Taylor could play some of those songs. I don't know if he's got those jazz chops that, well, having said that, I mean, he's coming in, he's, because he can do prog, and they were still super prog, then it was later on when Phil Collins started bringing in a lot of that fusion stuff. So, you know what? Maybe Roger Taylor would have been a fucking fantastic drummer for Genesis. Maybe I'll just wind my neck in. How about that? Yeah. Maybe maybe he just have to bone up on his five four to yeah. seven eight time <laughs> conversions, thirteen eight and fifteen seven. Yeah. Oh, God. What's what, what? Why? Why? Or uh, as you know, <laughs> you and I have joked. You know, the old thirteen bar boogie. You'd have to just maybe work on that, <laughs> right? It's obvious we're going to make it. I mean, we're the only band I know that can play a thirteen bar boogie. <laughs> I mean, all we got to do is make a record That's and sell it. That makes me laugh every time. 
Oh, uh, Serena Skamicha says, champion for me, this is one of my absolute favorites on the first Queen album. It's just brilliant. And to finish off, Russell Watkins says, a champion, great congrats, is a proggy great. The first Queen album deserves far more attention. And you know what? I went back, Randy, because I don't listen to the first Queen album that much either. And I kind of forgotten, and I knew I loved Great King Rap, but I remembered when we listened to it, oh, I really love that song. And I went back and gave Queen one a listen again. And yeah, I, I think I'll be surprising myself a little bit with some of the voting, I think. Well, tonight, Randy, the next thing we usually do is spin a wheel here. So do you want to explain to people who maybe listen to the podcast for the first time, which probably we should do right at the top rather than like fucking 25 minutes in, but how do we decide which Queen song we're going to talk about week after week on this bloody show that we do? Well, Kev, uh, it's interesting you're asking me because like I'm a host, you know, I should know, but... Uh... <laughs> But anyhow, so what we do is uh, we spin this stupid wheel that Kevin's got, uh, and there were 118 <laughs> songs on it the other day. I guess we're now we're down to 117 songs, and that wheel just kind of goes at random, and it just stops just willy-nilly, and then wherever it stops, uh, we just fucking natter on about it. Really, that's that's the crux of the whole thing. Yeah, and we try to we try to you know summon, we try to manifest from the heavens the song that we want to hear. And it never, never works, except last week it did, which was kind of cool. Now, this yeah. week, um, and what we usually do, I usually ask you, Randy, what song you want to listen to, and I'll say what song I want to listen to. We're not spinning the wheel this week. And I'm curious to know, as the, uh, you know, the, sort of the bona fide, not queen uh, hardcore fan, for the 39th episode of the Seaside Pod Review, why are we not spinning the wheel, Randy? I'm not sure. I was hoping you'd tell me. <laughs> because we're going to do the song 39. We are doing the song 39. Yeah, someone has suggested it, and I can't remember who it was, so I apologize for not remembering who brought this up. It was one of our regulars um, who said for the if we if it didn't come up on the wheel before the 39th episode that we should honor the 39th episode by covering 39, and I thought, you know what? It's a bloody good idea. Let's do it. So 39 is the fifth track from side one of A Night at the Opera. So what we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to take a little bit of time here to sort of gather some information, do a little bit of reading, um, Randy's going to go for a, a quick poo uh, and then we're going to come back and talk about 39 so we'll see you very shortly I will not go for a quick poo don't yeah. hold it in because what happens is you hold it all in and that's it. all that poo travels up your back and that's where shitty ideas come from everyone knows this we tell well, kids Kev, this, you know Randy. what you know what Kev you're you're full of something man and <laughs> it, it might be air that has been warmed up it could well be that. Right, let's go get information and beer. That's what I suggest. Oh, great. I'm back on this stupid podcast. Do these fools think I have nothing better to do? I was in the middle of solving the problem of safe nuclear fusion generators. But no, I have to talk while these two chumps try to read. I hope you're all happy with yourselves encouraging this nonsense. Fix my lighthouse. All right, so uh, thirty-nine with no uh, with no uh, century notation in front of it is written by our good friend Brian May at three minutes thirty seconds, and we got Brian singing the lead and playing acoustics and electric guitars. Freddie Kev, he's in the back, man, just singing some backing vocals, and we got John Deacon on double bass, and then Rod doing b uh, bass drum and tambourine. Uh, recorded in Rockfield Studios in Wales, uh, uh, August to September seventy-five. And looks like possibly finished up in September, November, and seventy-five mm. in Sarm East Studios, uh, with uh, Roy Thomas Baker Engineering or producing. Sorry, Mike Stone Engineering. Uh, and what I found interesting just from this little bit of reading we did here 
is that apparently uh, George Michael was a huge fan of this song in particular, mm-hmm. uh, saying that he uh, used to love uh, listening to it when he was running around and, as a young man and uh, at his time in New York. And then the other little tidbit that I thought was very cool was that this was John Deacon's first time playing a double bass in a studio. And if you know anything about uh, a double bass, it's a fretless instrument. So your ear is absolutely key to being in tune. You can't, you can't, I mean, maybe nowadays you could tune it, but it would just sound like shit. So, uh, and you know, I guess there was a challenge that Brian may had <laughs> sort of put forth to him. And, uh, what happened, Kev? Deaky won, man. What, and it says John won the bet hands down, impressing <laughs> everyone in the studio. I mean, it's John Deacon. Why would you even make, why would you lay that bet? Come on, you should know better than that with this guy I by mean, now. Clearly, the guy's got a good fucking ear, right? It's fucking Deaky. It's, it's the Deekster, you know? Deacarino. Oh, no, I'm not going to answer that. Um, yeah, and I mean, one of the other things we learned here or we read is that Brian used a different tuning on his guitar. Um, and it's a 12, a 12 string on his know. 12 string. So I, I don't know what that is. Like I would have to, we'd have to look more into that, but listeners, if any of you know what that tuning would have been, whether it was just switching out, I mean, maybe it was just, you know, using the thinner gauge strings to be the, the sympathy string on the, the top E or something. I don't know. You know, there's, there's different ways. Maybe they could do that. I don't know to what end, but if anyone does know what exactly that was, and I mean, maybe this is something that I should know because it's on one of the documentaries, but please let us know because we'd, we'd love to know what that is all about. Yeah, and there are so many alt- alternate tunings, right? It's just really hard to say yeah. what he what he could have done. I mean, uh, but hey, man, and and you know what? I'm not sure, Kev, that I've heard this song. Uh, I might have maybe listened to the album many, many moons ago, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, we should give it a go. And if I can hear... Uh, I have any any insight into the, the possible tunings i'll i'll chime just right the fuck in excellent sir that's why you're here i love that high harmony hey you can hear well, just gonna, <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say that sounds like <laughs> <laughs> or it sounds like Raj in the back there. He got his uh, got his nards, you know, caught in the drum stool there. Just, <laughs> it's insane how high his range was, though. Hey? It's, when he was yeah, a young man, it's incredible how high he could go. It's incredible, and, and I'm I'm sure we've said this before, but you know, to me, uh, to me, Roger and uh, 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 Freddie, their voices together, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when the four, the three of them, right? That's Queen. That's if yeah. it's not the three of them singing, it just doesn't really quite sound like Queen, which is why their solo stuff we've marked on this lots so that it just never yeah. quite lives up to it because you're just missing that little X factor that they bring together when they when they come together. So yeah, well, here we're getting into the main the main guts of the the start of the of the riff if we're going to call it that. So delay no further. So is that two parts, or is he playing that? It's double tracked. It's double tracked. Okay, it's double tracked. Yeah, double tracked and panned hard right and left. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in the year of thirty nine, <laughs> what what happened in thirty nine, Randy? Do you remember? <laughs> well, it was uh, the end of the depression. If we're talking about nineteen, 
Yeah. Also, big fucking war kicked off. Oh, well, yeah. Big, big, <laughs> yeah, yeah. big massive scrap kicked off. A bunch of fucking Germans came over uh, yes. and started killing people. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't have yeah. that. What, yeah, what were they doing? Fucking hell. Anyhow. Belligerent and reiki. Come on, no more reichs. Come on, you've had enough. You tried it once, it didn't work. Leave it alone. <laughs> but that's not what this song's about, as we'll discuss. We got a comment on Deaky's bass, man. It does sound so good, hey? Like a double bass does sound just so completely different. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It sounds great. Uh, yeah, and you can hear you can hear the 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 sliding, and yeah, it's great. It sounds sounds fantastic. Slappy. That's what I always think of the, the to describe a double bass slappy sound. Yeah, well, yeah, because you kind of pluck it. They're, they're actually yeah. They're sort of, uh, you know, maybe someone will will call me out on this, but they're sort of challenging to record and okay. uh, just because of, you know, those very things you talked about. So anyhow. So is it the same then as recording an acoustic guitar? Because you, obviously you can't, there's no pickups on a, on a fucking double bass or an acoustic guitar. So is it the same thing where just trying to get the mic position so you get a, a good clean signal and not moving around and... Yeah, well, and some, and some of them do actually have little modded, uh, okay. little modded pickups and... Uh, my limited experience, I have, I what I did was I captured that uh, like a modded pickup, and and then just and then just miking from various sides trying to get it to sound good and yeah and not you know like not tubby and yeah it kind of kind of challenging. So I mean I won't hear just you know a very mm -hmm. brief moment of this, but it's, it sounded great. So. It's funny because we talked about the, the you know the big queen harmonies. What's interesting about this one, I always find, is they're really distinct. There's, they don't sound multi-tracked. It's Freddie singing one part, Roger singing one part, Brian singing one part of those harmonies, and you can really hear them. And I think there is a little bit of panning going on there to separate that sound out even a little bit more. But that's really cool because you can really, really hear the voices very distinctly in those harmonies. Yeah, it's probably not uh, not double tracked or, yeah. or you know or layered. But I was going to say, you know what this sounds uh, what this sounds like to me, which is I always call and and you know stupidly, but <laughs> I call it sounds like uh, what I call fish music, which is just that maritime sort right. of yeah, yeah, yeah music, and it really has that that uh, inflection to it, which also as uh, uh, in, in Saskatchewan, we it's 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 very similar to to the Métis style of music. So but, very simple, you know, fused simple sort of instruments. And, yeah, yeah, and I had read on uh, all the songs there, you know, countries what they're saying, but. Eh, to me, it's not. It's not. It's not as much countries as, as it's as it's what. Well, it's like that maritime. Yeah. If it was, if you're going to call it anything country, it would be more like Appalachian, right? It's got that more that sort of really backwards washboard and Toby jugs and all that kind of stuff. It's that kind of sound, not yeah, definitely not country. But that's again, it's it's kind of funny because a lot of English people don't they just don't have an ear for country. And it took me a long time living here to really sort of be able to separate. Well, yeah, that's not, that's not country or that. Well, yeah, that's definitely a country. So, you know, there's some stuff you've played a country solo or two on, on your records. It's like, Oh yeah, I can hear that country vibe in that. And it's not what English people quite often think it is. Yeah. Which is, this definitely isn't country to my ear at all. Yeah. No, no, not at all. 
nor Western, nor is it Western. Uh, what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and Western. Well, <laughs> maybe they were pointing West when they recorded it. I don't know. So you're getting a bit of red special in now too, right? So you've got do the acoustic you, you remember, and the troll string. And... Do you do you remember the Bugs Bunny episode where uh, where he has the he's he's yes he's holding his hand out he's going whoa and you know and then like the whole uh, the whole auditorium comes down yeah starts following around him and then you know they still you know Bugs is gone but the gloves still there and the guy's yeah, turning yeah. every color of purple <laughs> that's what this reminds me. Of. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. You can imagine Freddy with the gloved hand. Yeah. No, 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 hold, hold. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and I did. Someone go grab that man's testicles. I did hear the entrance of the the red special, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I'll just just wind that back a couple seconds just so we can listen to that. That beautiful little uh, electronic instrument come in. So we're watching the lyrics go by, and I'm assuming, because usually when we're listening to the songs, we both throw the lyrics up just so we got them as a reference point. Yeah. Of course, yeah. on more songs, I'm fairly familiar with them, if not the you know some of the precise wordings. But what do you make of these lyrics so far? Very narrative, right? So there's a part of it that's very narrative, and there's a part of it that's quite abstract. Is this, is, do, do you see a sort of a story in this? Is there an obvious story to this? Because obviously we read up on you know, what the song, what Brian May said the song's about. Do you get that from these lyrics? Well, you know, not not so far, not not on this uh, not on this first listen for me. And by the way, if I if I hadn't heard this before, yeah, it's, this it's is the point in the podcast where Randy so, and Kevin uh, open no, various really browser get, tabs really and frantically that, but, Google various facts but, and miscellany you know, in order to sound knowledgeable. Am, well am I missing something? Time throw that in just a little bit shortly, but I think we think talk a little bit now. Goodbye, because I think it's worth digging into a little bit. Roger, Dodger. For the earth is old and gray, little darling will away, but my love is cannot be. Oh, so many years ago, though I'm older, but I hear your mother's eyes from your eyes cry to me. Don't you hear my? So, for a yeah, I was getting song, that there. Sorry. Yeah, 
yeah, I was getting definitely getting the yes. you know, many years away. So they're talking about light years and blah 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 blah. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I'm definitely picking up the references. Like maybe I was a little overwhelmed with just listening to the the music part. Which for me, I don't know if this is like this for anybody else, but I always hear hear music first. Uh it it, it takes me a while to rattle around <laughs> to the lyrics. When I'm and it's also the way I'm when I'm writing songs. Uh, it's always the music first. It's yeah. always everything I hear first. And the melody, I'm listening to that. Lyrics, usually come last. Anyhow, sorry, I cut you off. Go on. Do you think, oh, that's an interesting point because, you know, I mean, I don't write songs to any sort of near the same degree that you do. But when I write, it's quite lyrical, not always, not always necessarily first, but definitely melody comes first rather than I don't sit down and, and come up with a, a like a, you know, a complete song. I could, I've never written a song complete and then thought, oh, well, now I'll write words for it. And I wonder if that's a product of, if you're not like a really good musician who sits down and can just sort of, you know, imagine all that things and get it all down, whether you compensate for that by writing lyrics. And I wonder if, if you've got a front man who's not a, not a musician in terms of, you know, doesn't play an instrument. I wonder if that would impact how you could write a song. Oh, certainly it would. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, what's his name? What's Alton John's uh, Bernie Tarpin? Exactly. Yeah, does he play? I don't know if he plays because he's the lyricist, right? He does the libretto. It's almost like a libretto to Elton John's opera mm-hmm. that he's writing. Yeah, yeah. I I have no idea if he if he does, uh, but he's certainly a poet, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm sure, and I I'm sure, and it seems to me I might have heard this somewhere along the line too that uh, when he gets those lyrics back, Elton that is mm-hmm. would still have to tailor them to be singable, right? Yeah, you know? of course. So yeah. He's still still moving things around, uh, you know, a little bit, but. Uh, yeah. Not the case of Mr. May, though. Mr. May is both a lyricist and a proficient, proficient, an exceptional musician. And and proficient. This is the last time I'll stop it before we get into the outro. I like that effect, that, that phase, flanged effect on the vocal hair. It gives it that sort of ethereal, otherworldly quality, which is, and it, yeah. they don't do it until the end and i think that's a deliberate thing is let's let's tease this out and not give away the whole story right up front we'll try and sort of just bring this in at the end as a little add-on you know a bit of a a bit of added value yeah there you go added you know what you know what would be nice here some added fucking value (laughs) all your letters in the sand cannot heal me like your hand for my life still ahead pity me Some extreme panning on this song, okay? Yeah, well, like I said, those two acoustics are panned uh, hard left and right, which, you know, uh, is an old trick. Mm -hmm. It's an old song, but that trick was there even before this song. And uh, it's a good trick. You know why? Fattens things up, fills it out. And, uh, you know, almost like the, uh, almost like the, you know, the, the Rolling Stones, they would pan one, you know, you'd right. have one guy playing this right and one guy playing the left and not playing the exact same thing. And it gives you that, gives you that push and pull and it makes it feel, makes it feel nice. It makes it feel not so machiney. And, yeah. uh, and, and, if, and as you're listening to, 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 to Brian, as he's playing along, you know, he, he's not, he's not 
mimicking identically the, the, the track he played on the on the left, right? Or, yeah, they're not or, doubling. Or right. whichever, not doubling. Whichever, whichever one yeah. came first, right? He's he's just he's just playing along, and and that's what gives you gives you that nice flow. It gives it a nice feel and a nice. Yeah, and that, I mean, the, you know, my, my other, one of my other podcasts, uh, Tom Penn and the Heartbreakers, they did that all the time where Mike Campbell's oh, yeah. playing, you know, one part on the, on the left channel and Tom's playing another part on the right. And it's, it can be the same rhythm, but maybe it's just a different chord inversion or a different yeah. guitar tone just to give you that, like you said, it gives it that width in the song, right? So that's why they do it. And I mean, the other thing is cool too is, the nice thing is when it's panned really hard is you can take one earbud out or one earphone off and you can really hear that one individual part. Yeah, yeah. Which is why yeah, I don't get is, man. The, the, the kids, cool. when you see the kids on the on, on public transport these days, and they've got just one earbud in, it's like, did you know that stereo is a thing? You got to have both in, <laughs> otherwise you're not fucking hearing. You know, you're gonna miss half the goddamn song. But you know what? Just, maybe the, maybe the rapists don't pan, Randy. They just keep that in their kev so that you won't fucking start asking them questions with your fucking <laughs> Gen X fucking ideologies. <laughs> All right. Um, the next thing we do, folks, when it's a song that Randy isn't like super familiar with. Oh god, I sound like a valley girl. When Randy's like totally not like he's totally not like totally familiar with this. Um, we're gonna play. Oh, through excuse, again. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> Did, have you been gagged with a spoon? Is all I want to know. <laughs> I refuse to and, answer that question. And is your father last? Is his last name Zappa? He is not. Um, although a fine guitarist, my father, um, but not Frank Zappa. Not nearly that weird. And my name's all right there. Diesel. All right there, Moon Unit. Let's hear it. Yeah, it's got, you know, if it's a space opera, it sets up that way with this intro and the big, sort of, you know, the big harmonies. Yeah, yeah. Cool chord changes too, eh? Hey? Let's go again. <laughs> I interrupted you again. Yeah, what's the time signature on that one? I think it's two four. I would count that yeah. two four. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be right. It's got to be two four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was just tapping it out. I mean, obviously it's it's over four. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's got to be two four. I think so. So I think you know, Kev. Normally, uh, you know, because you're you know you're the boss of this podcast. You're the one who says, "Hey, Randy, here we are, and we're doing this now." So I think you know what I'm. I'm gonna take charge here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking take charge. And you're going to okay. like it, first of all. Well, hang on, hang on. Because uh, this is the portion of the show here where, where you know, we vote about these songs. Uh, why we have to vote, I don't know. It's just the format, and I'm just doing <laughs> what I'm told. Uh, but, Kev, I want to know, you know, for you, is 39, is that a champion? Or does that motherfucker bite the motherfucking dust? Tell me now. Oh, he's stewing. He's stewing, ladies and gentlemen. It's, Okay. This is by far the hardest one I've had to do so far. So why are you not voting? Why are you talking? We should be talking about I'm this after. So no, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to decide. No. no. Shh. You make your decision. We talk about it after. I'm going to definitely fucking lose my queen card over this. And I'm going to have to do a lot of backpedal and explain why. But. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. How about you, Randy? Is this a champion, or does this bite the dust for you? And then we'll dis- well then we get to talk about why, because I need to qualify this for you. What do you think? You utter beast! You utter uh, utter beast! <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I was going to downvote it? You fucked me. <laughs> Did you think I was going to downvote it? 
I, I wasn't sure. I, I really wasn't sure. But okay, I'm going to start because I... Like, yeah, again, no, like you I, you start. No, you have the floor there, buddy. Go yeah, ahead. Explain this, to this the good... Upset. Hang yes. on a second. Hang, explain <laughs> to the good folks of Queen exactly why this masterpiece you are <laughs> going to <laughs> downvote into oblivion. Okay. It's the most marginal bites the dust of anything I've definitely of anything I've done so far and anything I probably will do. And it's like that, excuse me, it's that 49.9%, I think. It's, it's a, I don't hate this song at all, but I also don't love this song as much as quite a lot of fan, Queen fans do. It's just a bit, you know when John Lennon used to complain about Paul McCartney writing like it's Paul's granny music? <laughs> it's just a bit, it's a bit that. It's got a bit of that to it that I just like, eh, I don't know. I, there's lots of parts of it that I fucking love. Like the harmonies, like I said, those three really sort of separated uh, uh, part, harmony parts, I think are fantastic. I like the chorus. And I'll do, 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 do. That's cool. Everything else, eh, I can sort of take or leave. And the yeah, big thing was the lyrics in this one, Corey Morissette, who listens to our podcast, is going to love me saying this. I find them a wee bit pretentious, which is weird coming, you know, we just did great congrat, but I find, <laughs> but this is the problem I have is with this one. So, because I always thought that 39 was about soldiers coming back from the, going to war and coming back from the war and all the lines I think you can translate onto it, even, you know, but my love, this can't be, oh, so many years have gone, though I'm older than a year, your mother's eyes from your eyes cry to me. That's when I was young and even in my teens, I thought what he was talking about was, maybe it was because I was a soldier in my youth. Yeah. I thought it was a soldier coming back and seeing his kid for the first time in fucking, you know, two, three years, and he sees his the love of his life in his kid's eyes. That's what I thought that meant. And 39, obviously, like that's when all the boys went off to war. And so I always started sad that. So when, when I heard this fucking space opera thing, I was like, what are you talking about? What's the <laughs> fucking, what's this paradox thing that you're blathering on about? I just, it just, what it did honestly, it just irritated me. And so I've never, <laughs> I've never got over that. And I've always associated as a result, this song with just being slightly irritated with Brian May about this sort of, come on. I mean, do astrophysics, but do you need astrophysics in rock and roll? I don't know, man. So yeah, it's 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 a and like I said, so this is a very very marginal downvote for me. Well, that's interesting. I I really really thought that that you would uh, upvote it. I really did. Yeah, and I got to admit, uh, I, I was like you, except it. I just I just squeezed her over the line. Right. Uh, there's been much talk about about a, a third option and we refuse a third option. Uh, but so, so for me, I guess if I, if I give you my little breakdown and my little synopsis, well, I, I just don't really think the song's all that amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and when I say, when I was talking about fish music and about songs of, of this style, there are a kajillion, of course. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, and they all sound the same. Brian didn't. Yeah. Brian didn't, didn't, didn't invent this. Uh, so, so where where I decided I was going to tip it over to the to the positive was all those cool all those cool little uh, uh, intro bits and then like you know the little bit in the middle mm -hmm. where they break from that form of, yeah. of that fish music style and they and they go in and they do this other other kind of cool very queeny things you know uh, and then I'm I'm a big fan of the bass line I think the bass line might be the star of this this song uh, I find Brian's vocal weak. It's not great. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's fine. It's in key. It's it's fine. Like, 
Uh, it's not like that's, you know. That's, you didn't... That's, in England, that's Brandy. That's what we call a backhanded compliment. It's in key. <laughs> yeah, it's in key. Yeah, yeah. Fucking should be. Or, He's a professional musician. Or like you know, if you're if you're uh, tasting uh, you're tasting a, a, a celebrity chef's food and you say, I don't mind the taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his vocal's not offensive but it's just not great yeah so you know maybe maybe i maybe i maybe i gave them a pass maybe i gave them a pass i don't know yeah so but, I, but so that's that's what i'm saying i'm saying i'm saying it's deaky i'm saying i really like the the cool brian you know soloy bits and those cool little parts with the with a nice interesting chords where they break from that very traditional structure of mm-hmm. of, of, a, mm-hmm. of a maritime song um, and then I mean, of course, and I have nothing emotionally tied to the lyrics. Yeah, uh, it seems to me if he was doing trying to do a, a you know, a, you know, talk more about space, he could have, you know, he could he could have maybe well, done I mean, a little better with the lyrics. Totally, but I it mean, totally makes sense. It totally makes sense once you know that for sure. And there's another in an interview with Radio One in '83, he said, "I think people generally won't admit it, but I think when most people write songs, there are more than one level to them." There'll be about one thing on the surface, but underneath they're probably even unconsciously trying to say something about their own life, their own experience. I know in my own stuff, there's something like that. So of course that sense of separation and distance and loss and all those kinds of themes, because we know we suffer from depression. That's all the, that's the, the undercurrent of it. Like I said, I've just got baggage with this song and it's weird too, because as you were talking through and you saying the things that you like about it, I love all those things too. This is one of those weird songs where I like the, the parts more than the sum of the parts. That's very rare for me. I was like, I like it when things come together. I just, there's yep. just the whole thing. I don't love for whatever reason. And man, like, well, I'm going to throw up a little bit of a live version here for you, Randy, quickly. And it's Freddie singing it. So this is where they all come out. And so, um, John, uh, Roger's got the kick and the tambourine. Um, Brian's got his acoustic. Fred sings, sings lead, and then John's mm-hmm. playing, playing the shit out of the bass. But I'll just play a little bit of this for you because I and. Again, I'm sure that people are going to disagree with me on this. I think Freddie sings this way better than than Brian does. It really, in a lot of ways, it sounds like we're agreeing. Yeah, really. We're just but it's down just that. Yeah, it's just you're you're forty nine point nine, and I'm, you know, and it's all baggage. It's just, just all baggage. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's not a bad song. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, I don't know. There are better, but yeah, you know, let's let's you know maybe this will change our. Maybe we'll just think this is the fucking the, the tits here. Let's hear it. <laughs> this is live from Earl's Court in 1977. This has nothing to do with the next song, which is called 39. Before we get a bit more into this, what I like about this, because we're watching the video here, folks, is that, you know, this is a, a tender sort of ballad about space journeyers going away and, and discovering that when they come home, um, they're, they've are they aged more than their loved ones. And now they're looking at their daughter as this old person. What you need for that is the tender image of a fucking lunatic in a Harlequin leotard prancing about the stage. <laughs> <laughs> In the days when the loud 
Well, there's someone who's singing that fucking song there. Exactly. Right? That baritone, you know, his, his baritone is just as good as his falsetto. It's as good as his soprano. It's, I mean, it's just so much better immediately because fucking the singer hey, of the band singing it. Hey, newsflash. <laughs> Freddie Mercury is a good vocalist. Turns out the boy can sing a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I just... But okay, I'll, I'll play a little bit more until we get into the the chorus because it is a crowd pleaser, right? Because you can sing along with it. It really yeah. is sort of a good. Everyone can stamp and clap in time because it's four on the floor, and you know we said it's two four, but it's still four beats. But. you know one criticism that's been leveled at queen is you know oh they weren't that great at harmonies it was all just studio tricks Nah, go fuck yourself listen to that Fucking fantastic. Yeah. No, that's pretty sweet. And man, what a what a mistake. Fucking Freddie could yeah. why like why would you I I mean why you know I get it. Brian wants to sing too. I yeah. mean I understand, but fuck me. Yeah. This is just this is quite a bit better than than the OG here, in my yeah. opinion. So and it's but, it's that thing of like again, Brian doesn't sing it badly. No, and it's no, and no. it's in his range too, because he's not he's not into that reedy tone where he's trying to sing too high. But Freddie's just the 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 timbre of his voice, his tone is just it's so yeah. many leagues further ahead, you know. And they'll yeah, actually well, use they'll they'll use that juxtaposition later on 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 a song from Kind of Magic that we we'll end up covering. I think it's a brilliant effect where it really sort of elevates it when Freddie comes in. But on this one, yeah, I mean, it just sounds it just sounds so much better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's just see, for, uh, yeah. It's hard to describe, but Freddie can emote, and 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 Brian just doesn't have quite that. Yeah. that quality and, and you know not many people have have what freddie had i mean but yeah yeah so i just wanted to play a little bit of that because like i said it's you know it was a like i said i'm, I'm this when we do the poll vote well let's, let's do the poll vote right now and then we'll talk a little bit more because i think this is going to come back i think it's going to come back pretty pretty positive and i think that yeah so i'll, I'll go i'll go first and I'll, I'll i think this is going to come back pretty positive because i know that this is I know it's a fan favorite. I know I'm going to get ripped for this, for downvoting it marginally, but I'm going to say that this one's probably about 80-20 is what I'll go with this. I think there will be some people who have some of the same issues that I have. Maybe not the, the you know, those exact things. No one's going to have that same fucking stupid baggage that I have with it. Um, but I think 80-20 is, is, is going to be my guess for this. What about you, Randy? Wow. I wish I could have went first because I would have picked 80-20. And I had no idea that this was a fan favorite, if I'm being truthful with you. But I can see how how people would like it. So I guess, I guess, I guess just to just to be a little different, I'll I'll go seventy thirty. Oh, okay. You know, uh, because I th- I think there's going to be some dissenters. I mean, it's not it's not perfect Queen, you know, mm-hmm. but but it's but it's pretty good, pretty good Queen. Uh, you know, we 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 you know, I think we really talked the fuck out of that whole well, whole angle. Pretty pretty good Queen 
it's still better than most yeah. of the bands for me too, right? Like, you know, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. But and more interesting than most of everything else, like you said, because at the time, I mean, Sabbath and Deep Purple and Zep weren't doing this. The Stones weren't doing no. this. The Beatles, well, maybe the Beatles would would have strayed into this kind of territory. But not many bands were doing this. Contemporary bands, right? So mm-hmm. again, having in seventy seventy five to have the balls to just step up and do something like this is kind of cool. And yeah. they execute. Like I said, I like lots of the parts. There's just yep. that little thing that it just kind of irritates me a little bit. So, yeah. And if we ever I, have Brian, oh, sorry, not if we ever, when we have Dr. Brian May on the podcast, I'm definitely not going to tell him that I downvoted this song. <laughs> not going to tell him. You don't fucking say a goddamn thing, Woods. That's the first thing I'll tell him. Hey, Brian, <laughs> so happy to have you on here. Uh, I am a massive fan, but that other guy over there, Kevin, you know your song 39 he said you know fuck that shit that's what he said and exactly those words that's a piece of shit randy <laughs> and, and I will, if i ever I, meet I, queen I, if i ever meet brian i'll <laughs> tell him that's what he said to me i'm just you know and my rebuttal will be <clears throat> the prophet song brian um let's talk about the prophet song for a little <laughs> it's gonna be the shortest interview in podcast history just gonna hang up after like two minutes of being slammed <laughs> yeah i mean there you go 39 i've been I've been kind of looking forward to it and dreading it in equal measure. And I genuinely, I didn't know how I was going to vote on this. I just, it's been, it's been keeping me up nights, Randy. You know, the line in uh, Shawshank Redemption where he says, yeah, yeah, I got to tell you, it's been keeping me up nights. This one's been keeping me up nights because I know well, that a lot of people love this song. I just don't love it as much as other people do. And I don't know if you'll keep it in, but, uh, but ladies and gents, it, he literally did it literally took a while for him to vote <laughs> and he, you know, he rocked back and forth in his chairs. I mean, he is old. <laughs> he does, he does tend to rock back and forth, but, but he was pensive when he was rocking back and forth, not just like drooling like normal. So, so yeah, it was, it was troublesome for Kev. So he's worried about his queen card. And I say, I say as I'm like, cause I don't have a queen card. I say, we should <laughs> take it. I think we should take it the fuck away from him he's you dangerous. dick you absolutely i think we should a bastard and so i think that anybody who thinks we should take kev's queen card away should let us know for sure in uh in our social media this is the mutiny this is the mutiny isn't it well i you do and i've understood because you've you've uh, posted on on our uh tweet tweeters twitters that you have a new podcast so i'm just kind of thinking maybe really if if anybody's trying to replace anybody it's you're trying to get rid of me with a far more experienced, better looking, uh, more talented podcast host than myself. And, and it kind of hurts. And that's why I'm throwing you under the bus here. And I think that we should all pile on Kevin and take away his queen card because yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to start call, from this point on, I'm going to start calling you Fletcher Christian. That's what I'm going to do because you, <laughs> sir, are a mutineer. <laughs> You are trying to, this is not the good shit bounty, but you are still fucking you usurper. Uh, but hey, but seriously, uh, I wish nothing but the best for you and Corey in your new endeavor. Uh, it sounds like it'd be great, super great. So yeah, everybody tune in to the, it's called Ultimate Catalog Clash. Yeah, we're talking Ultimate. about Phil Collins' era Genesis, which is funny because it was apropos that we were talking about Roger Taylor and Genesis yeah. on this episode that, you know. That's why. That's why I was. I had that in mind, and I'm still I might have to explore that a little bit at some point in my own brain. But yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, good luck with that, guys. But just like the um, you know, the, the what's his King Julian from Madagascar. After many deep and profound brain things inside my head, 
I have decided to. <laughs> One of my favourite quotes of that movie. Well, what do you reckon, Randy? Have we uh, have we done it to death? Is there anything else we need to talk I, about? I sincerely feel as though we've kept these folks just long enough. Do you think that we should talk about cheese for any length of time at this point in the podcast? No. Because we haven't done that. No? Oh, careful. We won't then. Do, I think at one point we talked about poutine. And that yeah, has that's, that's, yeah, it's got cheese on it. That, that's that's how you ruin cheese. It's like cheese how you how do you ruin a good walk as you play golf? How do you ruin cheese? You put it on fucking potatoes. Like no, well, no, 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 no. no, no. But it's also the curd too. It's very, very, very important that you get that right. It's not exactly. Look, cheese. the curds have suffered enough. <laughs> you know they've been invaded. They've been. <laughs> Genocide against the Kurds. Like, can you just leave the Kurds alone? For fuck's sake. It's with a C, Kev. And stop calling the cheese Kurds, dude. They don't like it. And why are we putting, why are we soaking them with gravy? (laughs) (laughs) These poor immigrants, they come off off the boat and come in gravy and cheese. Just want somewhere to live, they say. Oh my God. This has gone on long enough. Well, that was something, wasn't it? (laughs) I have a feeling Kev might be taking some heat this week. I think we should call him Mr. Kevin so he knows he's been bad. Maybe he should stand in the corner so he can think about what he's done. If Kevin were to title this episode, he'd call it, It's All Condiments and No Main Course. We genuinely appreciate your engagement. So you can find us on Facebook at Seaside Pod Review and on Twitter at Queen Seaside. If you get some time, check out our friends at the Deep Dive Podcast Network. And we'll be back with you next week to chat about Queen. Brand new angle, Give us a kiss, Kevin. Seaside Park Review. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.